the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hello, my name is Simon. I'm going to be taking us through the next in our, in our series on uh, the book of John called Come and See. Today, we are in John chapter 10. Last week, we were in John chapter 9. Gemma took us through that. You can catch up with it uh, online uh, through our YouTube channel or via a podcast. Jesus has just opened the eyes of a man born blind. It should have been a day of great joy and delight. It should have been a day of light and of life. But instead, it was a day much like the video we'd just seen. It was a day of fear and intimidation, a day of accusation and persecution. The newly seeing, newly believing man of John chapter 9, just like Ayuba, is dragged before the authorities. The newly seeing, newly believing man is dragged before the authorities, not just once, but twice. And in this chilling scene, this dark, chilling scene, his wider family are then brought in by the authorities too, identified, intimidated, and threatened. That newly believing man speaks in favor of Jesus, and consequently, he's thrown out. He's thrown out of the synagogue, leading to social, religious, financial isolation. Here we see how political and religious authority, they darkly come together to attempt to overcome and suppress, extinguish and defeat the light of the world. That's the reality for the newly seeing and newly believing man of John chapter 9. As we just heard from Emma and Paul, that's the reality at play for brothers and sisters across the globe today in locations where following Jesus costs the most. That's the reality for Ayuba in Nigeria today, isn't it? Well, that's the background for our passage this morning. That's the background of John chapter 10. There is absolutely no chapter break between John chapter 9 and John chapter 10. This is the continuous speech of Jesus. And in many ways, all that we're about to say in John chapter 10 is of great comfort and strength for the persecuted church. But we are going to see that it applies just as powerfully and just as relevantly into our lives today. So let's take a look together. John chapter 10 and starting from verse 1. This is the continuous speech of Jesus. Do open your Bibles or take a look at the screen and let's read together. I will read. Jesus speaking. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep Follow him because they know his voice. 
but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. We're going to pause just there. Jesus is using the ancient word picture of shepherding. The Pharisees have just intimidated, threatened, and expelled one of the sheep. And they, the Pharisees, are clearly identified as the thieves and the robbers, the strangers in this big word picture. Jesus is speaking this word picture against the harsh and brutal rule of the Pharisees. And here's the principle. Jesus speaks into a world of shepherding gone badly, badly wrong. That was Jesus' message to them then. And that's Jesus' message to us now. Jesus speaks into a world where those in positions of authority misuse and abuse their power. Does that fit? Does that fit with the world you see? Does that fit with the news cycle that you watch? Countless stories, it seems, every week, perhaps even every day, of misuse and abuse of power from government, business, sport, and sadly, closer to home, from churches and parachurches too. The Bible is utterly relevant. Jesus is speaking into our world today. He speaks into a world of shepherding gone badly, badly wrong. Returning to our passage, here's the thing that I find stunning, shocking even. It's this little comment. Did you spot it there in verse 6? Having opened up this word picture about shepherding, we read this. The Pharisees just did not understand what he was telling them. This is a passage filled with references to hearing and to knowing God's voice. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. But they, they didn't understand what he was telling them. And I think that's where it all went wrong for these Pharisees. That's where it all went wrong for these so-called shepherds of Israel. They couldn't recognize the genuine shepherd. They couldn't recognize the genuine article, leadership done well. They couldn't recognize the shepherd's voice. They were bad leaders because they were bad followers. They hadn't grasped that in God's world, in his economy, the way things work, followership, being a sheep, always precedes leadership. If I were to ask you this morning um, what your spirit animal was, what, uh, what animal you would most like to be, we'd have plenty of lions, plenty of bears, plenty of, oh, I don't know, let's pick one more, um, yeah, go on. Let's survey. What we got? Spirit animal. Give me a spirit animal. Whale. Whale. Oh, wow. <laughs> like it. Fantastic. Nobody's natural instinct is to pick sheep, is it? That's God's metaphor for us. It's quite uh, humbling, but also quite enlightening too. Jesus 
Jesus is teaching us that followership precedes leadership. One of the best things we could aspire to be in all the world is a follower of Jesus, one of his sheep. Now, it's been pretty negative so far, hasn't it? I've been talking about Jesus speaking into a world of shepherding gone badly wrong. This is all the bad stuff, isn't it? But Jesus isn't just simply pointing out and condemning the utterly dreadful shepherding he's seen in front of him. He's looking to contrast that with good shepherding, with shepherding done well, the genuine article. And the word picture of shepherding is just woven throughout your Bible. Think of Abraham, Moses, David, all shepherds. Think of the prophecies of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. In fact, if you come along tonight and you're, you're looking to hear more about Open Doors and hear from Emma, you're also going to hear Megan uh, preaching on Amos. Amos manages to combine the two. He is both a shepherd and a prophet. The word picture of shepherding is woven throughout the Bible. Just think of Moses, staff in hand, out in front of the people, leading the people through the sea, the Red Sea. Think of David, having lived the shepherd life, now speaking of the Lord as his own shepherd. It should have been, to the Pharisees, it should have been painfully clear, yet no one understands him. No one understands Jesus, the greatest teacher in all the world, and his parable, his teaching, has fallen flat. No one gets it. No one understands him. Imagine that. Imagine that. Now, here's what I want to show you next. Here's how Jesus makes the penny drop. Here's how Jesus brings understanding. In verses 1 to 6, Jesus is teaching the big word picture. Jesus is in teacher mode, and he's laying out the key themes, concepts, and ideas. He's summarizing, if you like, the biblical motif of shepherd. But that's about to change, and here's where I need your attention. There's something different about to happen, something more direct, more personal, more compelling, more engaging. Jesus doesn't simply tell the story. Jesus steps into the story. Or better still, he's going to wake us up to, our, to his presence in the story all along. Let's continue from verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. This command I receive from the father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus doesn't simply tell the story. He steps into the story. It's a bit like that bit in a movie where you've been watching the action. You've been watching the main character and you've been watching for about an hour. Then suddenly, the actor looks straight into the lens and speaks directly to you, sat watching at home. You thought you were safe and you were just watching a film and then suddenly, he's talking direct to you. I like the way this little cartoon captures it. The cartoon character stepping out of the frame and just kind of, you know, it's the kind of leaning over the lectern bit. This week, I'd like to step out of the comic strip and speak directly to you, the audience. Jesus is doing just that with the Pharisees. He's getting up close and personal with them. Jesus has stepped into a world of shepherding gone badly wrong, and he shows us right up close what good shepherding looks like. In fact, he shows us the good shepherd himself. Did you spot that? He's being very, very, very clear. He's claiming to be the good shepherd, standing in the long line of Abraham and Moses and David, fulfilling the promises of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And the impact of all of this is verse 20 and 21, to leave his hearers divided with some against Jesus, verse 20, and some for him, verse 21. A few moments with Jesus, and sadly, you come to realize that the comfortable middle ground that we love to enjoy day by day, part in and part out, is a complete illusion. He's pressing for a decision, and that's what this gospel is all about. Light and death, Life and death, light and dark, no beige, balanced nuance, unfortunately. So what do you think? Do you recognize his voice? Do you recognize the shepherd's voice? The Lord's my shepherd. Is he yours? There are so many voices we could be listening to, to, to today. A podcaster, a YouTuber, a political commentator, whoever's in your ear all the time, whether it's wellness or productivity, dating or finance, whatever your particular topic is, are you listening to the shepherd's voice? Now, the reality of who Jesus, ident who Jesus really is is made all the more clear once we bring in some of the 
Old Testament references and the deep uh, truths from Scripture. Now, I really want to show you this. God's people Israel have been let down on numerous occasions by kings, judges, priests, and so on. And the prophet Ezekiel, he goes to great lengths. He has huge chunks devoted to condemning and criticizing the false shepherds, but he also presents a vision of what the good shepherd looks like. And let me, let me show you this. This is almost the, just the Old Testament version of what Jesus is doing here in John chapter 10. Ezekiel presents a vision of the good shepherd like this. And see if any of this sounds familiar, having just read John chapter 10. Ezekiel 34 and from verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They'll lie down in good land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Jesus is using the imagery of sheep and shepherds to announce that he quite literally is the sovereign Lord come to shepherd his sheep. He is here to search for his sheep, to look after them, to tend them, to bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, and that includes you. So all of this is just phenomenal, amazing good news for the sheep. Here's what it means for you if you're a, a sheep here this morning if you're not a bear, a lion, or a whale. You're called by name. Verse 3. You're saved. Verse 9. You're led to a place of contentment, pasture, soul nourishment, and fulfillment. You have life, verse 10. You have life to the full. You are not and never will be abandoned, verse 12. You know and you are known, verse 14. These are all of the vital truths and the that we grasp and we go to when the realities of life hit. There's a reason why during the pandemic, one of the most powerful things we did as a church was just get 
everybody to sing the Lord is my shepherd into the camera and paste it all together into a song. This is where we turn to the Lord as our shepherd in times of sickness, job loss, loneliness, bereavement. I imagine even it is the place we will turn in our own death and dying. The Lord as our shepherd. I think it's probably the last one that's been working on me the most recently. Knowing and being known. Jesus knows me in the very same way he says he knows the Father. I'm known by God. It's because of John chapter 10 that Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, gets you in the fields. This is the theological foundations. This is, this is the background of why those things that we all instinctively know, like Psalm 23, you don't even have to be a Christian to know that one, do you? The Lord is my shepherd. This is the background. This is why it works. This is why it provides the comfort and the strength in those times of real need. But of course, there is only really one way in which Jesus could bring life and life to the full. And we've not said anything about it just yet. And that's this, that he lays down his life for the sheep. He says he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's like the king who is, who is toppled over in chess. He is giving his life for us. He would take upon himself the indignity and the brutality of the world of shepherding gone wrong. He lays down his life for the sheep. And all of this willingly and gladly. He says, he's chosen to do this. No one takes it from me, his life, that is. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and to take it up again. We're going to uh, sing together, uh, The Lord is My Shepherd, and the band are going to come up and lead us in that. He knows you. He has laid down his life for you so that you would share life and all its fullness with him. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he yours?